Exploration is the physical expression of the intellectual passion. Apsley Cherry Gerard. Today we kick off our series of Explorers, a month of episodes focused on people getting out in the elements to break records, to get in touch with nature, and to do some good. Stay with us today because we're going to be talking to Ryan and Casey Higginbotham of the North American Paddle. And wait till you hear what they did. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with and making your stories work for you. Story power serves you best when you know how to use it. George Mallory's body was found frozen on Everest North Ridge in 1999. It had been there since 1924 when he made his third and fatal attempt to summit Everest. When asked in 1923 by a New York Times reporter why he was intent on climbing Everest, he simply said, because it's there. His words explained something that defines much of the human mindset toward many an adventure. Why are we drawn to do hard things, dangerous things, unnecessary things, simply to prove that we can? In my interview with the Higginbotham twins, their reason for choosing the most difficult way, prone on a paddleboard, and using only their arms to paddle 2,200 miles from Alaska to Mexico, was very similar. It was because they wanted an adventure, and no one had done this before. So these 25-year-old California lifeguards, whose crazy advice is that everyone will feel more alive in 50-degree water on the fast track to hypothermia, they headed out on an unassisted paddle where the waves broke their boards. The weather, cold, and tides were a daily challenge. And two brothers who were known for fighting with one another regularly, full-on fistfights, learned how to work together in order to survive and developed quite a set of muscles paddling 20 to 25 miles a day, laying on their stomachs and using their arms to paddle down the western coastline of the United States. And why did they do it? Well, because they could. Here's their story in my interview with them. Casey, tell us who you are, why you started this, and a little bit about what the whole the whole goal was. Yeah, and I'm just a lifeguard in Central California and decided to do the paddle, I guess. Well, why? I I think it was the desire always to push the limits. We'd done long endurance races, you know, growing up a lot of both of us had. So we just had a desire to keep going, pushing ourselves further. And the idea came up and that was it. It was pretty, it wasn't very profound. It was kind of more on a handshake. All right, let's do it. Let's go paddle Alaska to Mexico. And that's what it took. Do you guys um, drive each other where your twins push each other to do the next big adventure? When somebody slows down, you push, you don't let each other quit. I mean, definitely. It, it From races to, I mean, growing up, 
he's responsible, I, I'd say, for me breaking my ankle and my arms. You know, I had a, I, well, I had, two, I had a broken arm, and then you know, he jumped out of. You know, we're seeing who can jump out of the tree higher, and I couldn't roll out of it, and then I jumped off and broke my ankle, and you know, things like that. Uh, we're in races together, teamed up in adventure races, just yelling at each other. But anytime someone's slacking off, the other person pushes it, and vice versa. So tell in more detail exactly what this trip was about, like where you started, where you intended to go, what the trip was so the listeners understand like the gargantuan nature of what this was. So the initial, the initial idea was to just get two paddle boards, put all of our gear on, and go on an unsupported trip all the way down the coastline from Ketchikan, Alaska to the U.S.-Mexico border. We'd be camping along the way, shipping our food to food drops, so we were completely unsupported in that regard. And no one had really done it before, so we just kept, were trying to figure out ways to do it along the way. And we wanted to promote coastal conservation through it, and I think that may come out in part of the film. But the story changed because we went from the idea that we'd be thriving and talking about these areas and exposing the beauty of them to more of a survival story, so thrive, survival, not thri- you know thriving, which really changed how we approached it or could because you're struggling every day and you know you're running out of food in certain spots and just kind of grinding so the story changed but for us it was about pushing on you have a goal and you're going to reach it no matter what so what was the biggest struggle what ended up now that you're looking back at it all what was the hardest part can you tell me a story of your hardest part each of you it's tough to narrow that down i think it's just i think it's the everyday grind i think it's going you know, you're three months in, and there's still more than half of this thing in front of you. And you don't think about that. It's every day, you know, it's cold and wet, and you got to get up, and you got to go for it. And I don't, have a, I don't have a hardest day or hardest time, really, in terms of paddling. It's just a daily grind, and you compartmentalize each day or, you know, even parts a day. Sometimes your goal is just to get to the next point. And sometimes your goals, you know, your daily goal to get to your finish point. But it's it's the daily grind that's the hardest part. Yeah, so, I mean, I similar to what Ryan said, it's kind of that grind. But I know when you're, you know, we were in Washington, for instance, and we'd already put in 800 miles and you look at a map and you're not even halfway there. And you, you can't see the end and you've been going for so long and you're pretty beat. So that's, I think that was the hardest section uh, than northwest of the United United States is trying to trying to focus on the goal all the time knowing that this is what we're doing so it it changed from I wasn't even looking at Mexico I was looking at the next food drop then when it got really bad it was just okay let's just get to the next day or sometimes oh let's get to the next point because you just don't want to move anymore I think that what you've talked about right there, that day-by-day step, especially when people are going through hard things and that's what life feels like, you're just making it, whether maybe you're dealing with anxiety or you're dealing with depression or you're dealing with a, a loss, you know, that you're surviving on a day-to-day basis, which is very much like what you had to do when you're out in this intense, adventurous situation, but you learned how to survive day-to-day, how to look just directly ahead of you. Yeah, for me, for me, that this part, you know, was the toughest part of the whole paddle. Even though we weren't paddling at that moment, is when we broke the board. Casey broke his board, and it was a quick turnaround. I called Joe, we called our friend Pat, and we were headed down to pick up the board from Joe in LA and get back to Central Oregon. And we spent uh, two nights at home, and I just 
I remember, you know, it was the day before the 4th of July. And we, our initial itinerary planned us to be in Pismo on the 4th of July back at home. But, you know, we were obviously there and it wasn't the time for us to be there. But you're in a, you're in a bubble of safety there. You have familiar faces around you. You know, it's a, it's a weird feeling when you've been out there. And finally, you're just, you know, you see friends and family again. And I didn't want to go back on the water. I wanted to stay for the fourth and delay. I was like, maybe we'll stay for a week, you know, just hang out. But, you know, you stay for a week, then what if a big storm hits? And, you know, things happen. You could get delayed and delayed. And I was looking for any excuse to stay. And I looked at the weather report. The weather was good. And, you know, I didn't want to go. And I remember I walked into the bathroom. And it sound, I always say, tell, tell people it sounds kind of cheesy, but I looked, I looked in the mirror and it was a definitive moment in my life. And it, I said, who do you want to be? And, you know, if I delay, it's as good as quitting. And I'd be quitting on myself, but more importantly, my brother. And that's, that's not someone that I'll ever be. And I walked out and we left the next morning. What kind of applicable life lessons did you take from this experience? One thing I learned, I don't know if really on that point is that, but people are, people, the vast majority of people are kind people. I mean, people took us in and totally saved our lives. We stayed with amazing people, you know, all the way down from that first week where we were taken in by Victor and Lubica to down the, you know, all through the coast of BC and, and, you know, down to Mexico. I mean, we just met amazing people and people were really good to us. And that was, you know, it reassures your your uh, hope or whatever it is or feeling towards humankind. How often did you stay with people versus camping? Uh, I mean, we I could count up the, you know, probably on two hands, the number of times we stayed with people. The vast majority was camping. I, I was listening to your guys' presentation and you said, why would you ever engage in negative self-talk if you've decided to do something? One of the things that we talk about on this podcast is the stories that we tell ourselves in our own heads, whether they're positive or whether they're negative. And depending upon what those stories are, define who you become and what you do. Because if you're telling negative stories, you're coming from a place of fear and you're, and scarcity and you're, you're living small. And so I loved when you said that because it's, it very much builds into the idea of recognizing, first of all, that you're letting negative stories go on and then getting rid of them. So tell me about your thoughts on that. Yeah, so I, I think it boils down to is if you're telling your, if you're asking yourself whether you can do something or not, or you don't think you can, and you're, you're thinking and behaving in ways that prevent you from doing that or accomplishing your goal, I don't see any point in that. Because if you decided to do something, why would you even second guess yourself? You should be saying, all right, I'm going to do this. What's the point? Nothing's going to get in my way, right? Yeah, I, I just think it boils down to that you just you shouldn't it's not going to help you reach your goal so what's the point it's inefficient to tell negative stories (laughs) what's your biggest story of getting there how did you feel when you got there to the to the border and you saw it and it was beautiful and what were your thoughts uh my thoughts were i want to keep going you know i I, we both say that if if no one was on the beach that day waiting for us to come in we would have kept going but it really, it just felt like any other day. It's really, it was kind of anticlimactic. You get in, it's like, okay, cool. And I, th- I know, I'm, I'm sure my body was feeling like, okay, let's, we're getting ready to paddle tomorrow, because that's what we've do, been doing for over half a year. And um, I don't know, it was just kind of like any other day, but it felt pretty good. You know, you, it's, you definitely feel like you accomplished something. That's for sure. So you started in March of 2016 and then finished and got to the Mexican border on October 21st. What kind of training? What did you, you know, can you tell us what 
an actual day was like. You talk about going through it, but I really want them to understand from the perspective of, you know, the pain, the reality of what you guys were doing, the weather, the water, the, I mean, did you get really dried out because it was salt water, you know, the pain in your arms, the, you know, you were dealing with this day after day for six months? Yeah, it's, um, again, one of those things where it wasn't really, you get, you're, hurting but it's not a deterrent because it doesn't really matter you're just going to find ways to work with it so you stretch you do all the things you can to mitigate the way you're feeling and you know every day you get up you you know boil some water you make food you suit up because you're cold and you're just wet so the wetsuits are wet every day you know and it's 40 degrees outside or less or more you know you never know it's so unpredictable the weather's re- pretty mercurial but you get up and you'll go paddle for say 20 miles six hours and then head in i mean that's an average day some days okay we're paddling for nine hours yeah set up camp put your food you know collect water boil it eat food stretch film a little a little bit more right go to bed hopefully by eight o'clock nine o'clock and pass out but you were exhausted yeah i mean pretty pretty tired but just go just keep going. So now looking back, what are your thoughts about your adventure, about working together, about where you want to go from here? Where's your story take you from here? It's it's tough to say. I mean, we one of my favorite things to do, I think, in my life is go, you know, go with my brother and go do some adventure. Charge hard and try to push the limits. You know, that's like, that's to me the coolest thing. So I don't, I mean, when I go back from here directly, I'm going to go back and lifeguard at the beach, you know, I'm going to get back to work there. <laughs> um, but we're always, you know, we've got a few plans of some, some big adventures and challenges that we want to undertake. And what did you learn? Uh, I learned that it's really, when everything's really simple and life is basic, how happy you can be. I think to go back a little bit, I think you, a lot of people convince themselves that they're going to lay out or hang out and pleasure is going to bring them happiness but I really think it's the opposite I think it's suffering that brings you happiness because I during the paddle when I was beat to hell the only thing that really what I what made me the happiest was just being dry and warm in my tent with maybe a full meal but other than that I don't really care yeah it's the extraordinary experiences when you just have one goal each day and you you make it like that you know and it's a difficult day but like Casey said the best times come right after the, you know, some of the toughest times. You know, if we're, we're, ha- we're struggling, we're in a storm, we're beat down, you know, a week later we're warm and you're sitting down and you've got some food and water and that's perfect. When you know the bad, it helps you recognize and appreciate the good, right? Or even the, even the normal. You, you get an increased appreciation for simple, yeah. Toilet paper, right? I traveled around Mexico for um, six weeks, just in a in a travel trailer, and did the whole thing. And I wasn't a big travel trailer person. And boy, did I gain an appreciation for, you know, a flushable toilet, or or being able to have electricity when you wanted it, or you know, all kinds of things. Just when you do without, suddenly the basics are super cool. So if you had just one last thing that you wanted to leave with the listeners, what, what do you want to say? I'd say if you, you've got a, you got a big idea, you've got a challenge, go for it. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do it. And 
you know, don't don't doubt yourself because if you really want something, you can make it happen. Uh, I would say go get in cold water. <laughs> Try to get a little bit of a hypothermia, hypothermia, you know, a little bit of hypothermia, get the shakes going. It'll make you feel good, 100%. That's a, that's a good and if you don't believe me, try it, and Why? you'll see. How does that make you feel good? It, you come out feeling reinvigorated, elated, happy. If you don't believe it, you have to try it. You just got to get in the water, get a little of that cold suffering going on, you'll be stoked. I just, I want to second that. That's probably the best thing that either of us could say to that, what you want to leave people with. <laughs> Do you think that it's because you guys are water people, or do you think that applies to everybody? I actually know it applies to everybody. I took my cousin out there one time, the total city guy. We threw him in the ocean, made him stay in until he got hypothermia. Like, wouldn't let him leave, actually. We kept him in the ocean, because he can't fight us in the water, right? So we keep him out there till he's totally out of it. He's, his motor functions are down. And he gets out and he's like laughing his ass off, you know. He loved it. And he, at first he, he was hating us. He was really angry because we're actually holding this guy in the water. But he'd get out and he's happy because he's, it's cold water. It's like I said. I think you guys are masochistic. <laughs> so tell me about... I'm so happy. Yeah. <laughs> tell me about the, um, the movie. Do you guys know when it's going to come out and where people can find you and if you want them to follow you, that type of thing? It's, re it's really up in the air. You know, it's a bunch of... It's us and some friends, and we're putting, a, we're putting all the footage we have together. Um, so, yeah, it's, I think it's kind of an enigma. It's tough to say, even from my end. Yeah, you can, you can find us in the ocean. That's the best place, too. Central California. And the film, I'm not sure when it'll be out, but hopefully you'll all hear about it. The Higginbotham twins, strikingly handsome, fit athletes, did something no one had ever done. A feat talking of strength of mind and body anyone would be impressed with. But I think the thing I was most struck by was the way they made choices to define who they were all the way along their route. Were they people who would give up? No. As Ryan looked in the mirror and contemplated what type of man he was, he actively chose discomfort to head back out when he would have preferred a reprieve at home because he didn't want to be the man who would quit or he didn't want to be a man who procrastinated or let someone else down. He actively made the choice not to be. That was within his power. When Casey broke his board, it wasn't an excuse to quit. It was simply time to find a solution, a replacement. Choices like this on adventures like this represent the way we also handle life. When all their electrical equipment conked out, but a wristwatch, they define their story with maps instead of a GPS. The struggles didn't dictate the story. Or the men. The men wrote the story as they decided, with each decision, what type of men they were and how their story would unfold. Now that's something we can all do every day, no matter the size of our adventure. What type of man or woman are you? You decide. You write the story. Tune in next week for another grand adventure story on the Love Your Story podcast. And drop us a line if you have a story or want to recommend one. You can go to www.loveyourstorypodcast.com. There's a Contact Us page, and we read all of our email. Also, if you'd like to purchase a t-shirt, we have those now, and those are available on the website. And please share this podcast. Um, rate it, review it, subscribe to it. Share the love. 
We'll see you next week for another great adventure.